You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers. Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker here with you at BD Peacock at Eric underscore Crocker on Twitter. I know you got a lot of questions and a lot of comments and, and you're hitting me up on Twitter already. My phone's blown up from close friends and text messages and in any way, social media or um, landlines, the phone's ringing like any old way I can be contacted. I am being contacted by furious 49ers fans right now after a pretty ugly loss. 31-17 to the Arizona Cardinals. The cards improved to 8-1 and one atop the NFC West and the 49ers still winless at home this year, falling to 3-5 and five on the season. Croc, how we doing over there in Arkansas? Are you feeling it from everybody that you know that are 49ers fans hitting you up uh, with, with, I mean, every single person's got a different angle on what is wrong with the 49ers. What went wrong in this game? You know, we talk about it pretty much after every game that they've lost, that they find a different way to lose. And I thought this time it was on D'Amico Ryans. And and that's something that I haven't been able to say before. Mm -hmm. Do you think... D'Amico's unit on the defensive side of the ball being undermanned is more to blame than actually D'Amico Ryan's play calling and the scheme and the plan he put into place against the Cardinals here. Now, I, you know, I don't know if maybe Arizona kind of floated out there that Kyler Murray could possibly play and it made it, it made them less prepared for Colt McCoy, who definitely was extremely efficient and a really good game plan by, uh, you know, Kingsbury. But they just look totally unprepared to play against Colt McCoy and whatever the Arizona Cardinals had planned for him. You know, it was it was really tough to watch. There's there's a lot of ways to go at this. And by the way, we're going to give out some game balls, too, at the end of this one. I want to start at the top. Start with the quarterbacks. Jimmy threw a classic bad Jimmy Garoppolo interception late in the game, but they're trying to come back. He's trying to be a playmaker, um, you know, maybe letting loose on some balls he wouldn't have before, but I thought actually letting loose on some balls he normally wouldn't have was great. A couple drives before their, their last touchdown drive of the game there uh, late in the third quarter where he threw a ball up with a one-on-one with a playmaker and a really good player in this league in George Kittle. Welcome back, George Kittle, by the way, who went up and made a play on the ball. And then he did it again later and let Ayuk in the end zone make a play on the ball. It's something Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't really do. And we've talked about it before on this show. So many teams against the 49ers will let their guys make a play one-on-one. The 49ers don't. It was too little too late in this game. But I thought that was at least promising at the end of the game is, is Jimmy Garoppolo letting it fly a little bit and letting his guys make a play. Maybe that's a lesson for later on. If he gets another opportunity to start for the 49ers, and we'll get into all of that stuff too. Obviously, there's a quarterback waiting in the wings right now in San Francisco. But just seeing him let loose a little bit and Jimmy Garoppolo's line overall, the interception was bad, but it's odd for a 49ers game to end and the 49ers lose this bad and the quarterback really wasn't the problem in this one. No, I didn't think Jimmy Garoppolo was the problem. I thought he was extremely efficient. You know, I really think it comes down to in this game, the defense. Now, Obviously, 49er fans have put a lot on the defense and the secondary throughout this season. But I thought this was the first time where I felt like they legitimately let the 49ers down. And Jimmy did a good job of moving the ball. Uh, Even in a lot of drives that were stalled, it wasn't necessarily on his shoulders. 
there were a couple of fumbles, one by Brandon Ayuk, one by George Kittle. And I think, you know, when you look at the final score and kind of where the 49ers were at and really when those where those fumbles happened on the field, I think those had a lot to, you know, they, they contributed a lot to the loss more so than anything, any mishap that Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo had uh, throughout that game. Yeah, that's what's tough because watching this game, if you didn't catch the early going, you would think, okay, easy game balls for George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk. But they made two of the biggest mistakes in this game, those turnovers, those giveaways that you can't have. And it was after a great catch by Brandon Ayuk. You love seeing him be able to go up and use those long arms and go up and pull down a catch. And then he fumbles the ball. George Kittle makes a catch over the middle, hurdles one guy, cool, go. You know, George Kittle, he's back. Uh, And then he fumbles when the second guy hits him. It was a good play by Murphy to knock the ball out. But you can't be turning the ball over. That was your number one key to victory this week is win the turnover battle. And the 49ers did not because of those guys. So you can't really give them game balls, even though, they finished the game well and they made some plays and helped put points on the board for the 49ers. They also helped put points on the board for the Cardinals. Well, another, I don't know if we officially made it a key to victory, but another thing that we said was you can't beat yourself. And that had been something that the 49ers have done in really all of their losses, right? They find, they have found different ways to lose. And I thought in this game, they did just that. And you can kind of zero it in on the turnovers because even without the turnover, and we and we can blame D'Amico Ryan's, we can blame the defense, but I think without those turnovers, the 49ers still put themselves in position to win. And I will say this more times than not throughout a season, like the defense isn't gonna play perfect, the offense isn't gonna play perfect. So at mm-hmm. some point, one unit has to play better than the other. And I thought in this game, because of the turnovers, they played equally as bad, and that's not that's not ideal. Right. No, that's definitely not ideal. So when it comes to that, when the 49ers continually find ways to lose, can't use home field as their advantage, where do you start pointing the fingers? Uh, More and more, uh, people are starting to point the fingers at the top, which is Kyle Shanahan. Is that fair? You and I have talked about this before, and this is by far the worst loss of the season. It feels like the worst. This is the low point so far through Eight weeks, the first half of the year. This is the low point in the first half of the season for the 49ers because I mean they lost to an eight and, or a seven and one team coming in, but this was a seven and one team without the starting quarterback, without their best player on defense that dominated them the last time they played, who's out for the year, without their best pass catcher. All three of those players pay, played a huge part in the 49ers losing to them, and they only put up 17 points in that game. And they Colt McCoy comes in, puts up 31 points on the 49ers. You can't let Colt McCoy walk into your house and put up 31 points on you. Right. And so um, finding ways to lose that points to the head coach. At what point does the seat get warm for you? Clock did it get warmer today? Uh, It didn't get any warmer than it already has been for me. Again, I look at this situation and I look at the offense and, and, you know, if you are going to point the blame at Kyle Shanahan, you would have to ask yourself, where could he have improved? And I really feel like there's nothing he could have necessarily done better. There are games, and every team goes through this, where one unit plays better than the other. And on this one, the defense played bad. So they obviously they needed the offense to pick him up, but the offensive shortcomings came on fumbles. And I don't think that there's anything that Kyle Shanahan could have done better then what he did, I thought Jimmy Garoppolo was efficient. He obviously got away from the run game, but that was because the 49ers were down 17-0 before you could blink. I don't, I don't know what he could have done better aside from 
going all the way back and saying, well, you can't, you should, maybe you shouldn't have hired uh, D'Amico Ryans. But also, I thought this was the worst call game from D'Amico Ryan. So I don't know exactly where to point the blame in this loss. I think it just goes to everyone on this team to where, like, at the end of the day, you, this is a game you can't lose playing against a guy like Colt McCoy, who is the backup quarterback, and they went out and beat you. And everybody talks about, uh, you know, Cliff Kingsbury and what he is as a coach or what he isn't. And he just went in there with his backup quarterback and really dominated the 49ers. A look at yourself in the mirror moment for the 2021 San Francisco 49ers in week eight. More with Croc and myself on this rapid react edition of Locked On 49ers following the 31-17 loss to the Arizona Cardinals, including some game balls. There is some positive spins for certain players on this San Francisco 49ers team that we will get to coming up, but still plenty of bad to talk about as well. Does this sound familiar? I went through this this weekend out of town at the in-laws trying to figure out which device lets you catch the game live. Another device where you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for other types of good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your television together. And it's called direct TV stream and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch all your favorite sports and movies and uh, and all your shows and everything you're trying to see on your TV get it together in one place with direct TV stream that means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device really ever again and the best part there's no annual contract so get rid of the clutter and the confusion, and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. All right, Croc. Did it feel like they came out flat from the start, too? Like, is that just like something that maybe happens sometimes? You've been in locker rooms. Is there some games where it's like, ah, this, it's, we're not feeling it in this game. You're coming out flat. And, and that's what worries me about this team at home. Niners don't have a home field advantage. You should come up. The crowd is, is jacked up. You run out of the tunnel. And it's like just an extra jump in your step. You got George Kittle back. You're coming off a win. You should be so pumped up and come out so hot in a game like this. And they just didn't. I think the flat part just comes from maybe not getting points on the first couple of drives, even when, it looked like Jimmy Garoppolo was playing well. It looks like he was sharp. It looked like he was on point. But you had the fumble right away by, uh, you know, George Kittle. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of slowed things down. And, you know, I, I didn't think necessarily they came out maybe flat. I just thought the offense needed to pick the off, the defense up a little bit more in this game as opposed to previous games. And when the defense needed the offense to come, like, you know, hey, uh, we need you right now. I thought the guys whether it was George Kittle or Brandon Ayuk, again, like we talked about. I thought those were the biggest issues. But I, I didn't necessarily look at this game and think they came out flat. Can you pinpoint what was wrong with the 49ers' run defense in this game? Was it the defensive line up front? Was it the second-level linebackers? Azizi Al-Shair back in there? Was it Fred Warner, who got paid, as one listener put it? Uh, Shout-out to Ty on Twitter. He's really mad about Fred Warner. 
And he said, basically, he got paid and went on vacation. Do you think the, the blame lands on Fred Warner's shoulders? Is it the secondary? Is it missing both starting safeties? Or is, just, is it a combination of all those things, a bad game plan? Is there one thing where you saw with James Conner uh, making those two big touchdown runs and 21 carries for 96 yards and then Eno Benjamin coming in and relieving him and, and leaving uh, Drake Kirkpatrick's number 13 stamped in the Levi Stadium turf. Was it was it attitude? Was it game plan? Was it the front? Was it the second level? Was it the third level of the defense? What was going on there? No, I actually thought that Cliff Kingsbury did a really good job of making the 49ers defense work laterally, and they did that most of the game. A lot of the issues that the 49ers defense had in this game wasn't necessarily straight ahead. It was... Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury getting guys on the edge. They had, you know, they threw screens to the left. They, they, they threw uh, screen, screens to the right. Mm-hmm. They also had things where they got the ball to the running back in space and let him make a play from there. And they were really stretching the defense so thin at all areas of the field that they didn't have a whole lot of guys, especially in the middle of the field. So we see, you know, a James Conner catch a pass and outrun everybody to the end zone. But I bet if you were to watch all 22 – you'd see defenders at every space of the field. And I think that makes it difficult as opposed to maybe like a 49ers team that typically, you know, makes everything, everything that the offense does is a little bit more in the middle of the field, especially from passing game. Mm. Arizona Cardinals did a good job of stretching the 49ers thin at all levels in the passing game. I thought that was a really good thing from uh, Cliffs Kingsbury. Yeah. And and I think, Part of it might be that they had to game plan for Kyler Murray and what the Cliff Kingsbury offense might look like in that case and not really knowing exactly what a Cliff Kingsbury offense was going to look like with Colt McCoy. And that's the classic Cliff Kingsbury thing, the spread it out offense. You've got to you've got to cover all 50 yards and 50.5 yards, whatever it is of grass laterally and in the entire 100 yards vertically as well. You know, you got to cover every blade of grass versus run and versus pass. And I think maybe there was um, some game plan discrepancies on what it ended up looking like uh, for that 49ers defense against the Colt McCoy version of the Arizona Cardinals offense. So I think you have to tip your cap and, and, and you do have to say that the 49ers flat out got out coached in this one and it kind of got out physical and, and got out lucked. You know, there was when, when, the Cardinals did fumble the ball. It bounced back to them somehow miraculously, you know, so there, there's luck involved. There was uh, momentum involved. There was coaching involved. There was players involved all around, just a really bad game. And like I mentioned before, a low point for the 49ers this season, I will say though, my 2010 scouting report of Colt McCoy looks a lot better after this game than it has over the last <laughs> decade or so. I was a huge, he Colt was McCoy efficient. Fan. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was good. Well, he, you, you're not wrong to be a huge Colt McCoy fan. He was one of the better quarterbacks and really in college football history. He was really good there at Texas. And I remember watching him. I remember 2009, 2009 being at my, my best friend, my brother's apartment, uh, my brother Donald, uh, and we were watching Colt McCoy play. And he was someone that was really good in college football. So obviously he doesn't have the big time physical attributes to carry him in the NFL to be like the guy, but to step in in a backup role, he's kind of been prepped for that. Matter of fact, if you go back to when, and Kyle Shanahan was there, but when when Kirk Cousins took over for the Washington football team, actually, I don't, I don't think, I don't think Kyle was there at this time. But when Kirk Cousins took over for Washington football team, I, I believe it was Jay Gruden as the head coach. 
I actually thought that Colt McCoy looked better in that preseason. There was RG3. I think he was kind of banged up or hurt or whatever. Mm-hmm. You had Kirk Cousins and you had Kirk, Colt McCoy. Colt McCoy, if you go back to that preseason, he looked really good. And a lot of what we saw today was what Colt McCoy really is as a backup quarterback and one of the better quarterbacks. And was he a backup quarterback for the 49ers for a little bit? Yeah, he was here in, was it the Tom Sula year? I don't remember what year, but I just remember, like, I think Komoko was a 40, was a 49er. <laughs> and I, I was hoping he was going to be a 49er in 2010. I thought, oh, third round pick for the Niners. He ended up going to Cleveland a little bit before the Niners picked in the third round, and they it ended up pretty darn good for them. They took Navarro Bowman that year in 2010. Remember, that was the year that, they selected the double uh, offensive lineman in the first round. It was um, Anthony Davis and Mike Yapati. And then I think it was Taylor Mays in the second round that year. So Col- Colt McCoy instead of Taylor Mays would have been good. But I was like, oh, this is a perfect West Coast offense quarterback. He's a winner. I was a huge fan of Colt McCoy and, you know, thought he had enough arm to make the NFL throws. But obviously, physically, he's uh, he's athletic. We saw him even run around a little bit in his 30s here in this game. He's 35 years old now, Colt McCoy. So carved out wow. a pretty good career. But you – that, all that being said, you know, he was a nice prospect. And we liked him in 2010 and, and winning national championships for Texas coming out of college. But 35-year-old Colt McCoy, backup Colt McCoy, shouldn't come in and beat you in your house. So that's why this game looks so bad on the 49ers resume. A two the, player- the, the, 49ers, the 49ers were supposed to have the advantage without Kyler Murray, without DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. And it was supposed to be, and obviously without J.J. Watt, who's on IR. But this was supposed to be just... Oh, 49ers got this. They're at home. They're playing against a team that's extremely short-handed. And we've talked about a bunch, a bunch of different reasons as to maybe why the 49ers didn't win this game. But ultimately, it comes down to you can't lose this game. Yeah. And they figured out a way to lose. And I think it's extremely frustrating. And looking at my mentions on social media and, the, and my phone blowing up is extremely frustrating by, uh, to the fans as well. Oh, the, the 49ers fan base is at a season. I, I think 49ers fan base right now, I would guess, is probably lower than they were any time last year. Even though as bad as last year was, there was a reason for it. And there was all the injuries and you could have an excuse for it. And you weren't that far removed from the Super Bowl. I think having that season then backed up with this season now at three and five and losing a game like this where... If I had to, after the 49ers and Cardinals played the first time, if I could have picked three players that wouldn't be there to give you the best chance to win this game, I would have picked Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, and J.J. Watt. You know, maybe Chandler Jones in there. But, like, that's, you you can't lose this football game at home to the Colt McCoy-led Arizona Cardinals. And that is what is so frustrating about this. I have a couple of players who I question why they're on the 49ers roster Croc, they want to talk about, and then maybe we can swing positive a little bit at the end of this and give out a game ball or two. If there is a game ball or two to even give out, we will have to hash that out next. If you listen to this program, you already know that Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. And if you haven't tried Built Bar by now, you're missing out from the top down, starting with that outer layer of 100% real chocolate you can tell it's something different built bar is soft Uh, when you bite into it you know you're eating something different it's more of an experience one that you'll enjoy in fact you'd swear you're eating something that's not as healthy for you as it is most protein bars chalky waxy or just plain hard to choke down built bar 
is not that way. You have to try one of these amazing bars yourself. It's everything you're looking for in a healthy snack, something that tastes good that you can also feel good about. This month, Built is coming out with new limited time flavors every three or four days. So go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you can get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all basketball, pro and college, football, pro and college action this season. A new web interface, too, to start the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before at betonline.ag. There's news. There is not only basketball and football, but all the props and odds you could ask for for baseball. Looking ahead to the 2022 season for some futures when it comes to Major League Baseball, NHL, boxing, UFC, and right to your favorite Vegas casino games. So head to BetOnline's new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to receive that bonus. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. That's promo code Locked On at BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, Croc, can you give me a good reason why Tom Compton and Mohamed Sanu are taking up roster spots on the 2021 49ers? Great question. Um, I didn't notice at first that Compton was in, and maybe it was the uh, maker's mark I have been drinking. (laughs) But I'm like, when did this guy come in? Where is Mike McGlinchey, and why isn't more in? You know, I actually answered this question as well on social media as to, you know, maybe why they didn't go with Jalen Moore. And I think Moore... He's maybe like a long-term play play as you know, we we see he does well. I think if he was somebody where you're trying to figure out a way to get him in right now, he would have been the guy. But they picked up McGlinchey's fifth-year option. So he's likely gonna be here. Obviously, you got uh Trent Williams, he's gonna be here. So I don't think it's a rush to cons- you know, really put him on the field. So I guess maybe they feel really comfortable with Compton at right tackle. And I would have to watch the game back to see how the Compton play. But just in, 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 in general, I think with, with Compton, ah, it was tough. And I, what, what, what happened with McGlinchey? I, I don't remember exactly what the injury was, but I know at halftime they said he wasn't going to return and he was questionable to return uh, at the end of the first half. He got injured. I don't think it's super severe. Um, and I don't remember even what the injury was. I just saw the report all of a sudden that he was questionable to return. And then at halftime, they ruled him out for the rest of the game. And I am afraid to watch that back on the all 22, because every time I focused on Tom Compton, he was getting beat. And I assume all the plays mm-hmm. that I wasn't focusing on him, he was also getting beat. It was really bad. And so I, I, that right. kind of ties into, I think what I would, have as a game ball in this one and and a big winner is a player who's been killed a lot um, by 49ers fans. And that's Mike McGlinchey. Now, look, maybe you would expect more as a pass protector from Mike McGlinchey as a top 10 pick as an offensive tackle. And that's totally fair. And I've been guilty of, of definitely pointing finger at Mike McGlinchey as someone who needs to improve quite a bit in, in some cases, but you realize how bad it can be 
if he's not in there when you see who the replacement was and how often Tom Compton was getting beat. And Tom Compton's bad at guard. He's especially bad at tackle. And that can't be your plan if you're the 49ers. So I don't care if Jalen Moore has only been practicing on the left side. Get him practice reps on the right side tomorrow or whenever you reconvene for practice. And even if he hasn't practiced, just put him out there for how bad Tom Compton got beat. So uh, that, that makes me question what he's doing out there. And I think part of it is, you know, sort of the domino effect from, and the reason Compton's on the team is because he can play tackle and he can play guard and he can play center, but you don't really want him to play any of those positions. So if you don't want him on the field, who cares if he can play a position poorly, at least have Jalen Moore, who's looked good at left tackle, try out some right tackle because I just don't want to see Tom Compton on the field anymore, but it's a big win for Mike McGlinchey when you realize how bad it can be along the offensive line, even though he gets beat sometimes, maybe too often, it can absolutely get a lot worse. And we've talked about that recently on here uh, about the offensive lines around the league. You think you've got it bad until you start watching some other teams and realize how bad some other teams have it as well on the offensive line. Cause there's a lot of Tom Compton's in this league. Yeah. Yeah, there are a lot of Tom Compton's in this league, and I, and I think that was a great opportunity for the 49ers to get more in there and and get him those reps. But, you know, 49ers, they're, they're trying to win this game, and it felt weird because while watching the game, I, I just never felt like Arizona was, like, the better team. I just felt like 49ers kept doing different things to shoot themselves in the foot. And when they, you know, when, when it finally hit me that the 49ers were going to lose this game, I was kind of, I was kind of shocked. <laughs> you know, that was a, that was a tough <laughs> pill to swallow. Uh, is that why you started going in hard on the uh, on the Hennessy? What is it you were drinking? Oh, Maker's Mark. Oh, it's Maker's Mark. Oh, okay, you went with the whiskey. Okay, good. Actually, I've got a little mezcal going here. I'm actually at my in-laws' house, and uh, there's a there's a nice little cabinet of of different uh, agave liquors. So uh, I'm having some fun with that one. And it's one of those games where you you go to the cabinet a little sooner than maybe some other games. Um, but anyway, yeah, so the domino effect of Tom Compton playing partly is because Banks is not ready at right guard. If he was a starting caliber right guard, he'd be in there. Then Daniel Brunskill would be your swing tackle, and that would benefit you as a football team. But now that's not the case because Banks is not even active right now as your second-round pick. So um, a lot of reasons that the 49ers looked bad and lost this football game. Offensive line is another one of those. And then back to my other question is Muhammad Sanu, one catch for five yards. He's just, I, I've been a big fan of Muhammad Sanu going back to Rutgers. Speaking of, you know, college scouting reports, I loved Muhammad Sanu coming out of school. And, you know, he's never been the fastest guy, but this version of Muhammad Sanu, he doesn't really bring you any kind of juice on the offense. And he's not, and if he's great in the locker room, great around the players, make him as an assistant coach. And I bet he will be a good assistant <laughs> coach, right? But like, he's not doing anything for you. He doesn't have quicks to, to really separate. He's you know pretty tough, but he's not really making plays on the ball. He has zero speed to get down the field. When he runs some of those routes, uh, even against safeties, they're just like, yeah, I'm just going to pick up this guy on the deep crosser and run with him because he's not going to outrun anybody. So he doesn't really threaten defenses at all. And you got to have a better third option in the passing game at wide receiver than Muhammad Sanu at this point, if you're the 49ers, with all the resources they put into that position. Yeah, you know, and I'm a guy and I'm I'm guilty of kind of drinking the Muhammad Snoo juice, man. You know, underdog fantasy, I, I went and put the over for two and a half catches for Muhammad. I, I think it was like one and a half catches for Snoo. And they targeted him a few times, but he just wasn't able to create any type of separation uh, to actually reel in any passes. And it was kind of tough to, to, to watch. You know, what do you do differently? Do you 
maybe play a guy like, uh, you know, Jawan Jennings? Do you play him more? He is a seventh-round pick. I think I go back to some of the comments that Kyle Shanahan made where he said, you know, until you're out of the playoff hunt, you don't throw in guys just for, uh, you know, experience. Experience, yeah. So he's not quite there yet, but I would say another loss like this, you probably will end up seeing guys like Juwan Jennings as opposed to mm-hmm. uh, Muhammad Sanu. How about, okay, wh- there's one last big winner in this game, but I don't think it's going to be yet. But I, it's pretty clear the direction this season is going for the 49ers, and they've got a really tough one in primetime next week against the Rams, unless they're able to shock the world and beat the Los Angeles Rams. You're at three and six. I, I, I think it's pretty clear that the week after that, it's going to be Trey Lance's team. But I still think Jimmy Garoppolo starts next week. But I do think one of the big winners in this game even though we talked about how Garoppolo, you know, a few throws here and there, but dude, he was 28 of 40, throwing a 326 yard passing a couple of touchdowns. He was even throwing the ball down the field a little bit, um, a 100.6 passer rating. This loss is not on Jimmy Garoppolo, no. uh, even though that interception sealed it late, but it's still the 49ers losing this game in such fashion really puts the onus on Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers to start developing Trey Lance as fast as possible. So uh, it, it's funny because my two game balls in this game are going to be Mike McGlinchey after he left the game and Trey Lance, who didn't play at all because I think they were big winners because it showed that they should probably be on the field. Yeah. You know, I was, there were cer- certain plays where maybe Jimmy Garoppolo couldn't get out the pocket or make a play. And I was like, ah, Trey Lance, like once we get Trey Lance to where we need him to be, like he would be able to make that play. Like he would be able to, get out of the pocket on that play to extend it and, mm-hmm. and, you know, eventually make a play on the move. So I do think not having Trey Lance, you kind of lose that, but you know, clearly Kyle Shanahan doesn't think he's there right now enough to at least have the overall game that we saw from Jimmy Garoppolo, which he was not the issue in his game. But when, it, when there is a game like that and you find different ways to fall behind in points, you need your quarterback to make, a play, right? Like a big play. And I think whatever play that was that they needed, Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't capable of making it. Again, I don't want to put it all on him. I thought he played extremely well for who he is, but uh, just missing that certain like oomph. And I think that's where Trey Lance, you need him to come along, but obviously even, you know, Trey Lance, he's just not there yet. Is there any game balls you want to give out before we close up this uh, rapid react episode of Lockdown 49ers? Yeah, I think uh, Brandon, Brandon, I, there's two grand balls. So one grand, uh, Brandon, I, it was really good to see like how he has responded with everything. And obviously, you know, the news came out this week that they just didn't like the way he was practicing. And I talked about my situation, which when I got benched after a week three of my senior year and how, what the coaches were expecting from me and what they were disappointed with and how I overcame that. Now it sounds like with Brandon, I, it was a lot of the same thing where, they didn't like the way he was carrying himself. They didn't like the way he was practicing. And he's overcome that. And I thought he had a good game for him, aside from, obviously, the fumble. And even then, with that fumble, it's hard to knock him or even George Kittle because, it's like, man, they're just trying to make a play. And you want you guys to try to make plays. But, obviously, you don't want it to result in a bad play. But, Brandon, I thought he he played well. I thought he was the occasion. And it's just good to see him overcome a lot of the shortcomings that he had earlier in the year. And then on the other side, Emmanuel Mosley, uh, you know, in a game where there weren't a lot of positives, I thought he did some good things to, you know, make 
some, you know, tackles behind the line of scrimmage, uh, you know, in coverage, he wasn't necessarily bad. Like, you know, I just thought, like, you know, there was a lot of good things that I saw from uh, Emmanuel Mosley that kind of continued to show me that he is someone that belongs on this team for the long haul, whether he's a CB1 or not. That's the question. But just as a, you know, a, a solid cornerback, I, I think you're good with having him as a starter. So I was encouraged by some of the things I saw from him. I'll give him a game ball. Obviously, it's tough when it doesn't necessarily result in a win. I don't know. I can't give I can't give Ayuk and Kittle a pass on the fumbles as well as they played otherwise, just because holding them to the higher standard. Holding them to the highest of standards. Um, later this week, Croc, some things that I'm going to be looking for on a rewatch of this football game on the defensive side of the ball. There's a lot of missed tackles. Are, are we? Is there? Uh, is there more to blame up front? You know, Eric Armstead was playing inside. Was he maybe not as stout as the 49ers needed him to be? Even though he looked good in there as a pass rusher, and I loved seeing that. There was a play Nick Bosa I think was blocked way too easy uh, on the edge on a run play. There was, um, you know, a lot of missed tackles in this game. I want to go back and watch the secondary. And I know that's your focus as well. I want to know if the, the, the safeties could have been a problem in this game. If it was linebackers, if it was defensive line, I want to get deeper into that and look at the coaches tape a little bit. So I think that'll be a fun thing to get into later in the week. Start looking for some answers for this 2021 49ers team. And if you have answers or questions, hit Croc and I on Twitter at BD Peacock at Eric underscore Crocker, and we'll be back tomorrow as we are every day. Thanks for making us your first listen, by the way. We'll get through it right here. Locked on 49ers.